welcome to TLDR podcast number eight. Surprisingly, I don't know how we've made it this far. Uh, we're up to number eight. Uh, Tyler, you're looking baby-faced over there. How you doing? Yeah, shaved. First time all year, I think. Uh, so it's a little weird. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just decided we. I just got back from from vacation. Figured it was time to kind of give it a half a year of a break. So just my mid-year shave feels weird. I kind of forgot what my face looked like, but there it is, boys. It's back. Did Did you miss me? Oh, uh, dude. No, no, sure. it's way better on that. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're 14, so no. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, speaking of facial hair, Eric, that stash is looking strong. How you doing? Thank you, my friend. I'm doing good. Uh, hockey playoffs is going hard and strong. Uh, fucking five overtime game today. It was insane. We'll, we're going to get into that later, but I'm doing good. It's good to be back. Speaking of week... Weaker facial hair, James. <laughs> hey, man, this is six months. Let it go. That's cool. Um, yeah. I am pretty excited, though, because Hard Knocks is on tonight, which means football season is pretty much 30 days away. So I'm crossing my fingers, hoping, praying that it goes through. But, yeah, but, uh, this is like step one. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, Hard Knocks is kind of the beginning of the season. Uh, Traden, I got to ask, the Oilers lost. Are you, a, are you like Tyler, where you – throw things across the room or do you sulk and then get over it? Um, well, so this one's different. I mean, I think usually when your team loses, you're, you're definitely in sad mode. I have no sadness in my bones at all. I am 120,000% pissed off at the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they, I, and they deserve to not play. They deserve to not be here as far as I'm concerned. Um, coaching issues, no defense. Um, they lost five on five completely. Yeah, Connor McDavid had a stellar series. Um, you know, so he kind of broke away from that mantra that he can't play in the playoffs because he can. But everyone else just broke down and, uh, you know, all around him. And it just was a shit show. Um, I still go back to to the first game and yeah well speaking of hockey trade we're going to start with you um yes, sir. get into it talk about that 5 ot game talk about whatever you feel like yeah dude um okay so obviously we have the the quarterfinals uh, round one going on right now um and i'll jump right into the first game of the day which ended up not being the last game like it 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 finished after the second game of the day started um that is the tampa bay lightning versus the uh, columbus blue jackets um guys game one i mean tell talk, talk to me about what you guys thought about game one five overtimes the fourth longest game in nhl history the second longest in the modern era uh, what do you guys think about that that was crazy um i was i was listening to it on my drive back i was working in, in uh chula vista today it was about an hour and it was i think it was this maybe halfway through the third overtime. And I thought for sure by the time I'll get home, it would be over. I got, right. I got home and it was like towards the end of the fourth overtime. I took a shower and I thought for sure by the time I got out of the shower, it'd be over. And it was still on. And I'm like, holy yeah. fuck. And I, and I ended up watching the fifth uh, overtime period. And that was crazy. I mean, it, it kind of gave me flashbacks of that 2018 World Series game three where it went 18 innings just this like long drawn out game and just the tension builds and builds and builds. And you're almost just like, like, can someone just please win it? Like, 
but it was a great game. I mean, the the, the goaltending was off the charts in that game. Um, Outstanding performances on both sides. Eric, I mean, what do you think about this? 88 shots for the Lightning, uh, 63 shots for the Blue Jackets. That's, you know, Vasilevsky saving 61 shots. Um, Corpusalo is saving 85 for a NHL record, my mind you. I mean, guys, or Eric, what do you think about it? Like, what do you think? What was your take on it? It was fucking nuts. Uh, the Blue Jackets had their rough and tough standard go around that they've been doing these past few years in the playoffs. Uh, the Lightning, though, they kind of proved me wrong. They they were pretty tough out there. They had most of yeah. the chances, I'd say, like from the third period oh, yeah. on, you know, and the next seven periods after that. They had a lot more of the chances going. They were pretty much controlling the puck possession. The Blue Jackets were getting more of those two-on-ones, three-on-twos, but they couldn't capitalize. They just all were so tired in the end. I think the Blue Jackets didn't have their feet under them as much, maybe because, what was that, two days ago, they had to play the Maple Leafs in that game five. So maybe that played a role into it. I still think the Blue Jackets are going to probably come out on top of this series. If if we know anything with Tortorella, they're going to bounce back. They're not going to let their mental get in the way, but it was just overall an intense game. My friend, he's a Stars fan. He couldn't even watch the Stars-Flames game because no. this whole game was on NBC the whole time. Right. Um, Alex, I mean, uh, there's kind of been a narrative, you know, that those types of games are very – are obviously very emotional. Um, you're playing for two and a half games in one day. Losing that game, do you think that it derails the Blue Jackets? Um, a little bit. I mean, if you saw Seth Jones's face at the end of that, he played 65 minutes or some, like, stupid number. Uh, he looked pretty defeated. I'm not going to lie, um, which is a bummer because he's one of the young budding stars of this right. NHL. Um, and I think, if anything, it's more impressive for the Lightning, who are known for their skill and maybe not their, like, rough, tough kind of play like the Blue Jackets typically do, but the Lightning held up this whole time. Um, I don't know. I don't, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, I've got to be worried. That's a lot of minutes. Uh, it's a lot of ice time. I, it's, I, I mean, I think we had this series going six or seven games. So yeah, we did. It's got to uh, be, you, you got to just get it to turn around, do what you got to do. They're obviously going to sleep good tonight either way mm-hmm. and just come back on, on uh, Thursday and see what happens. James, um, you told me earlier that you saw a lot of that game. Have you ever seen anything like that as a relatively new hockey fan? No, dude, that was a, that was a grinder of a game, man. It was just back and forth. There was very little soft visuals. Like, I'm surprised that, like you said, Seth Jones, 65 minutes. That's ridiculous. Like, he's going to have to – are they going to practice tomorrow? I doubt it. They'll, they they might do, it. like, a light skate around or something, but – Dude, they, need, they needed a break. It was a hell of a game, grinded of a game. Like Tyler said, goaltending was absolutely off the charts. And it was different to watch for sure because they're used to a three-period, 60-minute game, maybe a little bit over, but five five overtimes, oh, my God. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was pretty ridiculous. And uh, it, my take is the Blue Jackets, at the end of the day, regardless of how many minutes the game was, it was only one game one. So the Blue Jackets really are at a crossroads here. They, they, uh, you know, I'm worried because I actually have the Columbus Blue Jackets winning the Stanley Cup, to be honest. I'm taking the win here um, in my bracket. And, you know, we, ha- we as, a, as a team here won 
you know, through after seven games. So they're really going to have to fight hard for it. And having an emotional loss like that, they really need to let it go. It's behind you. It's one game and move on. Um, you think it's worse losing that three nothing lead game that they lost to the Leafs with like four minutes left in the game or losing this one? That's a great question. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you right now, it, I would probably lean on this type of game because the Tampa Bay Lightning are considered probably on paper, probably the best team in the league um, roster wise. And to take them to that long and your goalie is putting up amazing saves, amazing numbers. You guys have put in, put on over 60 shots. There's not a game that I could say that I've ever played that, oh yeah, I had 60 shots and I lost. Like that doesn't happen boys. So it's emotional. Giving up three goal leads happens. This is the type of thing that doesn't usually happen. I mean, big time. Like I'm, I mean, and it's emotional. Um, so that's what I would lean on, but you know, I'm maybe I'm a minority in that. Uh, moving on, let's look at the rest of the East. Uh, we got Philly in four, or I'm sorry, Philly in five over the Montreal Canadiens. Um, in my bracket, I, I have the same thing. Um, what do you, do you guys have anything to say about this one, or is this pretty much lock, lock and seven? I have Canadians in seven, and I'm the only one out of all of us who have that. Um, I'm going to go with momentum here, and the fact that the Canadians are huge underdogs, so there's zero expectation. Like, they have nothing that they got to play for right now. Like, they're going to go all out and do their thing. And right now, they got the momentum to do so. They took down a big team last series or for the play-in round. And now they go on against the Flyers, currently ranked number one. But if Carey Price plays the way he did, he did. He had like a 974 or 947 save percentage last series. That's ridiculous. If he plays just like that again, it gives the Habs a chance. And I think that the momentum is going to swing their direction. Um, but I, I think it's going to take seven games if it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll say one thing about this series. Philadelphia was by far the best team in the, in the round robin. Um, they were unbelievable. Like they were already unbelievable before COVID. And then they just picked up right where they left off and even went above, above beyond. I will say if Philadelphia plays down to their play to their opponent, I think that you'll see the Canadians win. Um, Philadelphia is a better team than Montreal and those types of teams can, as we saw with the Oilers play down to their, to play down or below their opponent's level. And you might see an upset. So, and especially in, in playoff hockey. So I don't think that's, that's a crazy, uh, a crazy analysis there. Um, Washington capitals over the New York Islanders. We have Washington um, in six. Uh, Tyler, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I just really – I think we kind of alluded to in previous podcasts, the Islanders are not the most exciting team to watch play hockey, but they are a very solidly uh, fundamentally sound team. Um, Washington, uh, Alex Ovechkin, on the other hand, a very exciting team to watch. They won the Cup two years ago. Um, I think that they're going to handle the, the Islanders here. Um, I just think with the playoff experience, I think the, the, the Caps just have the upper hand on this one. Does coaching come into play here? And the reason I say that is because Barry Trotz is the coach of the Islanders. He coached the Capitals to their cup. He knows the Capitals organization probably better than anyone right now. And he's been known to out-coach in the playoffs. Alex, does that play a role here? Oh, 100% it does. And I 
and I think that's why we'll still have to give the Islanders a little bit of love. Um, I had it going six games, but that was one that I had a lot of trouble with. I was really close on picking the Islanders, but um, I think they're just, I think with what kind of Tyler was talking about with the experience, um, you've got to give that to the Caps. Um, They didn't look, they looked okay in the round robin. They were nothing like the Flyers, who uh, are my pick to actually win the cup uh, this year. So uh, it, it does, and I think that's why I gave them two games. I could see this going seven, and I kind of feel like there's going to be a lot of games that are like, like four to three, three to two, and then one where the Capitals just blow it up, and it'll be seven to one or some stupid number. It'll yeah. be like, but they're all, I think it's going to be a really close series, but I'm just leaning on the experience of the Capitals. James or Eric, do you have anything to say before I move on? Add on that. Uh, I want to talk to Tyler's um, comment about how the Capitals, he said that they're just going to kind of, they won two years ago, so they, they should win again kind of thing. But did you watch around Robin play, man? Like, they scored five goals in three games. And this is an offense that well, that used to average four goals a game. And that, that's not looking good for them, man. They're off to wake up if they want any sort of chance to play against the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but I think with round robin, it's just round robin. I think yeah. you you add the you add the playoff intensity where there's e, there's a chance to go home. That's going to raise up their in, in intensity and their uh, level of play. Um, that's what so I'm banking it on. Doesn't matter but, that the Flyers. You, you you all said the Flyers looked amazing in, a, in the round robin, so that doesn't mean anything. I had I had because uh, it's round robin play. Flyers and. Six, I, I do think that the Canadians with Carey Price, I think that momentum is going to play through, but I just think the Flyers are just too good. Hey, I, I've been back and forth myself on the whole round robin thing. I, 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 we've seen teams on both sides of, of the conferences underachieve and some overachieve, as in the Flyers. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, the, the round robins were a little bit lackluster for me. I didn't really engage with them as much as I did the qualifiers, um, but it gave momentum to, to some teams. So um so we'll have to see uh moving on the last uh last series to talk about we have boston over carolina in seven and i'm actually not the consensus on this one so um tyler i'm sorry uh eric what's your what's your take on this one i got canes in seven yeah i think Uh, we're the only canes lovers here yeah not just the uh, (laughs) not raising canes but the hurricanes uh they Last year, they got swept by the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals, so there's something that's a chip on the shoulder for them. Svechnikov, Slavin, even their goalies, Mrazek. I don't think Reimer's going to do much. Mrazek should hopefully be able to stand on his head. We go back to the round-robin play. The Bruins looked horrendous in the round-robin play. I don't know if that's going to take any part, but the Canes just seem like they're clicking right now. Uh and we always go back to it, the L.A. Kings, when they won their two cups, they were clicking. And uh, I yeah. kind of see that with the Canes right now. They're snapping the puck around. The power play's getting the job done. Their first game, they were 7-for-7 seven seven on the penalty kill. That's going to win you games in the playoffs, especially against a gritty team like the Bruins. I got Canes in seven. Hey, um, I, I think that going back to a prior discussion, I think coaching takes a lot here, and that's why I have the Hurricanes going. I um Bruce Cassidy is an amazing coach, but he's he's given like the one of the greatest lineups in NHL history. Um, on the other side, Rob Rendemore definitely walked his Hurricanes to a Stanley Cup in 2005-2006. 
against a team that means a lot to my to my heart um and that was heartbreaking um and his team plays for him it's clear uh, and they play like him um and i love i mean i love him and i think that i think that his team is kind of stepping up for for each other and 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 i think that they're going to get it done but we're not the majority here tyler be the speaker of the boston bruins please yeah i picked the bruins to win the cup um same here again, man so <laughs> we'll have uh, the discussion at the end we're gonna, i'm gonna go through everybody's yeah I, I think during the regular season before this whole COVID stuff happening they look like probably the best team in the league in, in in my opinion obviously like there's a huge break in between you know the the round robin they finished fourth right um so and that'll be interesting to see like how much of the round robin play is going to factor into these first round series um, but for me, like, I'm just, I'm going with the, that lineup that the Bruins have. I just think that they're one of the best overall teams in hockey. Um, but you guys, I, I th- this was a hard one for, for me to pick. Um, I think you guys have really good points about the Hurricanes. I do think that they are clicking very well right now. This could be in, an upset, but I just kind of went with my gut here. I, I, I just think the Bruins are the, are the best team in this tournament. So that's why I went, I went Bruins. James, Alex, anything to add before we move on? Um, I think Boston will definitely need a wake-up call. So they're going to lose that first game that actually matters. And that will um, kind of give them a shot in the arm and have them motivated to kind of win the rest. They're not going to – I'm winning in seven just because the first round they got to knock the rest off for a game that actually matters. Right. But uh, I still – I haven't taken the cup. All right. Probably Tyler. a dumb question. Is it too late to uh, enter that bracket? Because I never did enter it. Into that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little late for that. Alex, anything well, else? We did like last right now. Um, I had the Bruins in seven. Um, I had a really, really tough time with this one because I typically do uh, go with the hot hand. Um, and the Bruins are the president's trophy winner, which means they won't win because that's how it works in hockey. So <laughs> it works in hockey. Tyler and James, you're fucking morons. You are right about um, that. I am. Watch that this year. It's going to change this year. Over here. 2020. Over here, Things dude. are weird this year. 2020. You never Things know. are weird. I am now, especially now that their game got pushed back a day. Carolina hasn't played in a while now because yeah. they swept their um, qualifying against the Rangers. So either it's going to be one of the same thing. Either they're rested or they're rusty. Um, so, yeah, I had a really tough time with this one, but I went with the Bruins in seven. Um, I do think they are the better team, which why which is why I picked them to go in seven. But I have losing the Flyers in the next round anyway. So solid. Um, well, before I go, I'm, before we move on, I'm just going to say Sveshnikov and Aho are playing absolutely out of their minds, and your perfection line has one point to their name. But we'll move on. Um, okay, uh, we got the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Both. So here's the deal, boys. Um, Chicago came to play. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, they're playing. They're playing right now, and it seems like it's a pretty close game. Vegas had a had a pretty good round robin, and Vegas is always just solid. Um, I know that you, many of you guys in here, hate Vegas, um, and I understand that. Um, but what do you guys think? Quickly, I think this is a pretty sealed deal in my, in my opinion. We have the. We have Knights in five, so. I got Blackhawks in seven. I just, going off what you said, they came to play. They look a little scary. They got the guys who've done it three times. Uh, 
it's going to be a battle every game. It's still 0-0. I think Vegas thinks this is going to be an easy series, just like the Oilers did, and look what happened. So that's all I got to say is the Hawks are kind of riding the hot hand right now. I hate them both. I fucking hate them both. I hope they both get eliminated. But (laughs) I hope Vegas gets eliminated first, then the Blackhawks get eliminated. All right. Well, um, moving on to speed this up, uh, we got Colorado in six over the Coyotes. Um, Alex, what do you have to say about this one? Colorado's nasty. They are. They are. I think Nathan McKinnon uh, is probably a top three player in the league right now. Um, I think they're, yeah, they're very, they're very deep. They're fast. They're strong. Um, I have them coming out of the West. Um, I had to give Arizona a little love because they looked pretty good in that qualifying round, which is why I picked uh, Colorado in six. Uh, to give to give Arizona a little bit of love, but it's I don't I don't I can't imagine Arizona winning four games against a team as deep yeah. as that. I, I I agree with you there. Um, we have the next series. We have Dallas over the Flames in seven. James, what do you think about this one? I have this Dallas winning in seven. I mean, they they look rusty in the round robin. They did. They didn't look good at all. And then Cam Talbot for the Flames is doing really well. I know you hated him when he played for the Oilers, but like right now he's carrying that team. Stellar. Johnny Goudreau is showing up right now. It's it's ridiculous. That's why I said stars in seven. Um, I think it's going to be a tough one to predict overall. It's going to be hard fought. It's going to be gritty. Uh, but I, I have the Flames coming out or the Stars coming out on top. Wait, uh, does today's game change that? Flames winning one? No. No. <laughs> seven. Bishop is simple. hurt, so that's yeah. one thing I didn't know. And uh, that is not going to be good for the stars if he no. doesn't play. No, the Flames are kind of rolling right now, and it's it's kind of scary as an Oiler fan because we all hate the Flames. I do have them myself um, moving on, um, so I'm kind of different than you guys, but that's why we're here. So, um, Tyler, we have Vancouver over the St. Louis Blues in six. Where's the love for the Blues, boys? Moron. <laughs> You know, this this was one that I, I think the Blues are the better team here, but I think the Vancouver Canucks are the closest thing I have to the Kings in this tournament. Got two of my former favorite guys, uh, Toffoli and Pearson, on that team. Um, and it's also very hard to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this was one that I kind of just went out on a limb about. I wasn't, I'm not very confident with picking Vancouver, but I just kind of wanted to pick something. I, I don't want to pick every favorite in the, in the West because there's going to be an upset somewhere. So that's just the, where I picked it. Um, I had, I personally had the Blues. Um, I don't think it's going to be a contest, to be honest. Um, I, think, I think that the Blues really sat on, their, sat on their ass in the round robin. Jordan Bennington is incredible. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is, st- is up for a Selkie uh, again this year. Those guys are just, th- this team is solid. Um, and I think that they're going to move on all the way to the conference finals. Um, but let's go around the horn here. Um, well, to finish up, Tyler, who do you have winning the Stanley Cup in 2020 and why? I have the Bruins over the Avalanche in seven games. Like you said, right. President's Trophy winners. I think they're just the best overall team in hockey, like I mentioned. And we're going to see a President's Trophy winner win it this year, finally, for the first time in I don't even know how long. Eric, who do you got? I got Canes over the Avalanche, game seven. Wow. Uh, Avalanche are going to make it. They deserve to be there. Like Alex said, uh, Nate McKinnon is going to get the job done. He's going to bring them to the cup finals. 
Canes have that spark. They look like the Kings to me, and they're all believing in the system and the coach. I got the Canes in seven. And James. Uh, I got Boston over Vegas in seven, mm-hmm. and just because Boston's going to win. That's, a, that's how it's going to work. Okay, fair enough. And Alex. Uh, I have the Flyers over the Avs in six. Hmm. I think the Flyers look nasty. Um, I think they're cr- incredibly deep. Um, I think – I know we just already talked about this, but in that round robin, they looked like the class of the Eastern Conference. They just looked unbelievable. So, I'm picking the I'm picking the Flyers. Fair enough. Uh, my pick is out of left field. I have the Columbus Blue Jackets winning this 2020 Stanley Cup champ, uh, Stanley Cup over the Vegas Golden Knights. Here's the re- here's the reason. Um, John Tortorella is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think he's one of the greatest coaches. If not, he is the greatest American coach to ever grace this earth, and he's arguably one of the best in the league right now. Um, he has he doesn't take shit. They also they also kept the the Toronto Maple Leafs forty million dollar players off the score sheet five on five for eight fucking periods straight. Sorry, that no one just Sorry. does that. Um, I, I think that Columbus has has a chip on their shoulder. They're they're playing from the heart. They are an underdog. Um, but it was a toss-up between them and Carolina going into the Stanley Cup final. But that is what um, I believe will happen uh, or what I'd like to happen. I'm on that bandwagon. Choo-choo. Here we go, boys. Um, <laughs> they are a reflection of how the Edmonton Oilers should look. So take notes, boys. <laughs> um, and that is my segment um next week we'll be recapping the games and seeing where the series are at hopefully there we'll see some teams move on and hopefully we'll see some long series buckle up all right thank you Traden, for uh, talking about hockey again uh speaking about <laughs> yes. people talking about the same sport over and over and over again tyler will uh talk a little bit baseball when we come back uh we'll be right back All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, Tyler's going to bring us his uh, baseball recap for the last couple of weeks here. Tyler, what you got? All righty. This is going to be my top five oh damn moments. Here we go at number five. The Cardinals are the latest team to have a COVID outbreak in their clubhouse. Um, They have not played since July 29th. And as of right now, at the very latest, they can maybe play this weekend. So it's been, they've lost a ton of games. Um, with them plus the Marlins, there's been a total as of today, 27 total game postponements due to COVID so far. Um, for the Cardinals, nine players and seven staff members have tested positive. Uh, there was a, alleged rumors that it started because some players went to a casino. Um, so far, the, none of the Cardinals players have uh, said that that actually happened. You can believe that or not. I don't think it did, um, but that's certainly an, an interesting story. Um, so St. Louis at this point has only played five games. Um, so that's going to create a very interesting s- scenario with, uh, with games going forward. They're all currently in Milwaukee quarantining in a hotel still since July 29th. So if they start, let's say Friday at the very best, um, they would have to make up 55 games in 45 days if they wanted to play 60. Um, so that's going to be a real, real tough schedule for them. It's going to be hard on players, hard, hard, hard on pitching. Um, I think MLB needs to get the cards playing as soon as possible, whatever that means. 
Um, if it's a the taxi squad, whatever, owners are not going to like that because they have to pay more players. But I think, I mean, you're not, I don't want to see the, Car- the Cardinals playing, you know, 40 games, you know, and have a better winning percentage than uh, the Cubs, you know, who played a full 60 or close to that. So it's, it's, it's going to be, it's very interesting. Um, hopefully they, they figure it out and all the Cardinals get healthy. Um, but so that, so that was number five. Um, can, can all of sports land stop with the fact that the MOB's fucked? Um, they've had 13 positives, over 13,000 samples at, for a 0.1% positive rate. To me, they're not doing a bubble. Um, people are going fucking crazy because there's, they're, they're, we're seeing some positives. Okay, whatever. They're not in a bubble. We're at 0.1%. The MLB is actually doing a very fantastic job as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, yeah, that's all I have to say about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah I hate the media too. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, agree with you too. I think, I mean, the, the, the bubble's not in, in play here. And considering that, only two outbreaks, I mean, I think that's pretty good. Um, but yeah. obviously with, with a short season, it does create a lot of problems with games. I think that's my, yeah, no, I think, I think that that's definitely an issue, but I mean, that, that's not, that's not make it seem like it's going to become a big issue. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. All right. Uh, so number four, Chris Taylor game saving throw against the San Diego Padres. Uh, the Dodgers were in San Diego. It was game three of the, of the, the rubber match. Uh, the, the Dodgers were up seven to five going to the ninth inning. Uh, the Padres rally, they make it seven, six, so here we go. We got runners on first and third, one out. Manny Machado was left the bat. Uh, he hits a line drive to left. Chris Taylor catches the ball. Uh, Trent Grisham's the guy on third base, tags up. Chris Taylor fires a perfect one hopper at 93.3 miles per hour. That was faster than any of the pitches Ross Stripling threw. Um, two, Will Smith tags him out to end the game. Amazing way to end a game. I mean, you've got to love that no matter who team, what team he plays for. Uh, game-saving double play, tag him up tag them out. Amazing. Um, Alex, what did you see that replay? Like what were your thoughts on that throw? I did see the replay. Great throw. Uh, I don't know why you're throwing Ross Stripling under the bus a little bit. It's kind of mean <laughs> also because Chris Taylor gets the whole, like a full crow hop into it. So, it, <laughs> you know, you get a lot more momentum behind it. So that's kind of a dick move, Tyler. I my, my uh, chicken strip. Yeah, but yeah, uh, great game-saving catch. Uh, helps me a lot since Kenley's on my fantasy team and he was not looking that sharp uh, with that particular outing anyway. But yeah, good for you, Chris Taylor. At number three, the Colorado Rockies are good now. Um, I batched, I totally batched their uh, pitching and now they're pitching, they have the fifth best ERA in baseball at, a, at 3.42 and the fourth best whip. Um, I said that they already had a stacked lineup. Charlie Blackman's hitting like 500 right now. And if they could just figure out their pitching, then it'd actually be pretty good. And so far, so they have figured out their pitching and they're in first place. Um, Led by Jermaine Marquez at a 2.08 ERA. Uh, Kyle Freeland's 2-0 with a 2.41 ERA. So yeah, currently uh, 11-5. I think they they were beating Arizona earlier. So they they might be 12-5. First place in the the, the NL West. Second best record behind the Oakland A's who are 12-5. Uh, James, since the Angels suck, are you going to jump on the Rockies bandwagon? The Angels suck. Uh, they're only behind uh, second place by two games for the division. So, like, that's really not that bad. And currently they're beating the A's by six. So is that an indictment on the whole fucking um, division there? Uh, what are you doing, bro? Like, nah. nah. I'm, still, I'm still Angels all the way. 
They're going to beat the A's tonight. They're going to have two wins over the A's for the series. That'd be cool. So, no. Hey, Angels all the way. I say the Angels are two games behind. That's an indictment on the whole division as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) All righty. At number two, uh, I'm going to run this little story by you guys. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, 30-year-old, made his major league debut with the Marlins last Wednesday. Um, What makes this special? Uh, He represented Team USA in the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi, competing in short track speed skating. Uh, Holy shit. And he won a silver medal. And he was holy drafted, shit. Yeah, he was, he was drafted by the White Sox in uh, 2015, and got traded to the Marlins last season and made his big league debut. Um, so far, he has three hits and 13 at bats. Um, he, he's a switch hitting infielder. I mean, one hell of an athlete. The 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 last Olympian to play in in Major League Baseball. Fun fact for you guys: Jim Thorpe in 1912. So that's pretty impressive. So, was he a speed skater too? He was uh, <laughs> no, he was a like a, a decathlon guy. He 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 also played pro for pro football, so he played pro baseball, pro football, and was a Olympian. So he's all American stud. Right um, yeah, pretty awesome. Um, he you know it's it's a pretty cool story. There's a really cool article on ESPN. ESPN, if you guys are interested in it, just his his whole story about being in love with both 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 speed skating and baseball and just kind of going back and forth and trying to decide what he wanted to do. And he's done both and good on you, man. That's pretty awesome. Um, Eric, would you ever uh, considered playing two sports if you were good enough to play sports? <laughs> yeah, I play two sports. I play, I've been playing two to three sports every week, golf and lacrosse. Professionally. And hockey. So, oh, professionally. Yeah. I probably would try to do that too, but um <laughs> Didn't you say the Marlins were going to be bad this year and they're doing super well? Maybe the whole COVID shit plays a role in that, that they didn't have to play a few series, but aren't they doing pretty good? Yeah, they're, they're, off, to, again. Yeah, they're off to a really good start too. I mean, this is that this whole COVID <laughs> shit. Like, this season's crazy. I don't even know what to think about it. But, yeah. Um, all right, moving on to, to number one, boys. Um, the A's versus Astros brawl. All right, let, let's break it down for you guys. Uh, ace outfielder Ramon Laureano. He is up to bat in the seventh inning of Sunday's game versus Astros against rookie pitcher Humberto Castellanos. Uh, Laureano gets hit in the back by a slider that didn't slide. Uh, this was really? the second time in the game that he got hit, the third in the series. Uh, Laureano then becomes Castellanos' pitching coach, showing him how to properly snap a slider, give him the gestures like this is how you throw a slider, dipshit, like – Make sure it slides. Don't hit me. Uh, so then he just, he, you know, there's, there's a little bit of talking going on, but nothing crazy. He slowly walks to first base. He's standing at first base. Then the Astros hitting coach, uh, Alex Cintron, uh, starts yelling at uh, Loriano and baiting him to, to fight. And according to Loriano, uh, Cintron said something vile in, in regard to his mother. And Loriano sprinted to the Astros dugout towards Cintron. Uh, Astros catcher Dustin Garneau made the tackle of the year. We got football coming up. I don't think there's going to be a better tackle uh, to stop Loriano to get from um, Cintron. Cintron the entire time was like cowering behind his, his, his whole team. He didn't even go after him. That's a bitch. Like, yeah. That's a fucking bitch. He is. Um, so then that obviously sparked both benches to clear. Um, Loriano and his catcher Austin Allen were ejected from the game. No Astros were ejected. Checked from the game, of course. 
Um, so today, MLB disciplined um, both Loriano and Centrone. Centrone got 20 game suspension, which is the highest suspension that any um, coach has gotten um, during during the season. And then uh, Loriano got six games, um, which compared to Joe Kelly doesn't make sense to me. How does Joe Kelly get eight games for? trash talking and throwing behind a guy and Loriano gets six games for actually charging the guy and starting a brawl. So just the, a quote from Loriano here, he said, I regret charging him being Centrone because he's, he's a loser. Alex, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, I got my uh, ace Jersey behind me specifically because I knew we were talking about this. Um, Centrone is the biggest pussy in baseball, hands down. He's baiting him. I don't know why they didn't just make an example out of him and just suspend him for the year. Um, I've also heard some other rumors that Centrone was a part of the um, cheating scandal anyway. So maybe that's why they actually did give him 20 games. Uh, but yeah, like you said, he hid behind like four guys. Ramon Laureano is not even that big of a dude. Not that I would want to fight him. I'm sure he'd kick my ass, but like, you know, it's not Giancarlo Stanton or somebody. Um, I think like, especially if you're going to say something incredibly vile, whatever it was, um, I have no problems with Loriano chasing after him. Um, I know MLB is trying really, really hard to avoid these sort of situations, but it's going to be like this for the rest of the year with the Astros. Um, if there's even a little bit going on, players are going to end up taking it out on the Astros. Um, however they feel like, uh, Eric, I know, You've had some things to say about the Astros. What do you think? I uh, Going back and watching the video, because I remember you guys brought it up when it happened. I wasn't watching the game, but watching the video, I, I was proud of that dude, Loriano. Like, he, looking at – just looking at, like you said, looking at that Cintron guy, he did look like a piece of shit. He's taunting him, yelling at him. After the dude just got pegged, you know, like he just got pegged by your pitcher – and I love that he just charged straight at the guy. And when, and they had a great camera angle. You see when he's charging at him, you see that Centrone guy just turtle shell away, you know, and hide behind everybody. So I thought it was good. I thought it was more exciting than the Joe Kelly stuff, you know. But I did like to see that Loriano, you know, sit up for himself and charge this guy. And I hope to see more teams if, you know, shit gets a little chippy with the Astros, go at them. Fuck it. You know, they cheated. They deserved it. You know, if they didn't get suspended – they didn't get penalized by the league. They should get penalized by the other teams if they're going to start fucking with them. James, what did you think of that tackle by Garneau? It'd be illegal in football because I'm for the neck first. But other than that, man, he's fantastic. <laughs> like, Dustin Garneau is an ex-Angel. He played for the Angels last year, so I have a lot of respect for the guy. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, he de-escalated that situation the best way he could. Because had he not tackled him, way more punches would have been thrown. But he brought him to the ground, and then they all just kind of piled on top of him. I think as a peacemaker, Dustin Garneau was amazing there. For sure. Trayden, I know you love fights in hockey. You know, you get, you get that one-on-one kind of tuffle, but what do you think of this baseball brawl? Um, I mean, going to James's point, it, it, it actually underwhelmed me because it, it de-escalated so, so much. I mean, it was just kind of like a pushing match. But the whole what led up to it was the exciting part, obviously. Um, guys, the way I see it, the MLB is to blame here. Um, the MLB needs to look in themselves in the mirror here and say, and realize this is going to continue happening until you actually punish those that are worthy to be punished. 
um, Joe Kelly gets eight games and and no suspensions were, were, were given to the Astros. They, it just amazes me. And, and the MLB has the audacity to say, oh, you can't do this. This is absolutely, you know, not okay. You guys caused it, okay? Fucking look at, your, fucking look at yourself and realize that. And maybe, just maybe, this wouldn't happen. Because I guarantee you this probably would be less of an issue if they had just fucking did what they're supposed to do from the get-go. Um, and that's what I think the most frustrating thing is for me. Yeah, Traden, I cannot agree with you more. You, have, you, I think you nailed on the head. I think a lot of this is MLB's lack of ability to uh, manage the situation properly. I would love to go more into the whole saga of this whole sign-stealing thing, but that's a whole podcast. So I'm going to stop there for now. Um, that's all I got. Thanks, guys. All right, Tyler. Thanks for your little baseball recap and uh, your oh, damn moments. Uh, we're going to take another break and we come back. We're going to let Eric say more things that come into his head. So, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Eric is going to go on his little tangent. Uh, this week it is UFOs. Eric, <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Let's hear it. Yeah. Like Alex said, uh, every week is a new week that I just get into my head. Sounds like golf, but this week it's about aliens and UFOs. Uh, in year 2007, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was created to study mystifying encounters between military pilots. This was also used for standardized collection and reporting on sightings of unexplained aerial vehicles. By year 2012, it was known to be funded $22 million to continue on with the research. It was said to have lapsed years later, but however, new info has been released recently by the Naval Defense Department, stating and showing that it's still actually been in operation from 2017 until now probably because it's important and UFOs exist, but let me tell you why. The old and previous director of the program, Luis Elizondo, without physical proof said they are convinced that objects of undetermined origin have crashed on earth with materials retrieved for study. No crash artifacts have been publicly produced for independent verification. However, an astrophysicist named Eric Davis with the program examined these materials and sources led to his conclusion that we couldn't make it ourselves. Davis recently gave briefings on retrievals of unexplained objects to members of the Pentagon this past March about off-world vehicles not made on this earth. Since then, committee members have not responded to comments or requests about this statement. So fast forward in time, April 27, 2020, a few months ago. Well, it feels like a few months ago. I think it was a few months ago. <laughs> the, the Pentagon released three videos of that were captured by these Navy pilots. It's the ones I sent you guys earlier. I don't know if you had a chance to watch them at all. And of course, everyone has their speculations. But in the first video, that was a video from 2004. And it was basically an oblong object shaped like no ship that we have ever really produced or seen before. It's hovering over the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the Navy 
camera is locked in on this ship and as they kind of zoom in it's going what is that thing it's shaped weird it kind of just zooms away and accelerates off kind of speeds away and they're unable to track it after that there's two other videos involved um they're from 2015 and they show objects moving quickly like hovering over the ocean and it's the same concept they're kind of trying to track it they can't they finally do track one of them when they do track this other object that's in the air, it starts rotating around. It almost looks like a Call of Duty type of fucking, you know, you're assembling weapons for the guy. I don't even know. I used to play the game. Or you're on Photoshop when you see, like, the gun getting spun around like this, rotating around. It's moving like a ship that doesn't ever do that or a ship that we've ever made doesn't really fucking flip and rotate like that. Um, so I'll finish with this. Uh, a quote from it was a tweet from senator harry reed believe he's in nevada uh or new mexico i might get shit for that i forget one of those states it starts with the N. he posted uh these videos on a tweet and he said i'm glad the pentagon is finally releasing this footage it's only scratching the surface of the research materials available the u.s needs to take a serious and scientific look at this the american people deserve to be informed tyler I know you're into Star Wars and that type of shit. What, <laughs> what is your take on on what I'm talking about right here, on specifically like UFOs and their existence? Yeah, I will admit I'm a full-on space nerd. Love Star Wars, love space, UFOs, all that shit. I'm super into it. Um, but yeah, this is pretty crazy. I, I believe that not too long ago, uh, the Pentagon also said that these ships that you're talking about are not of this Earth. Um, it's super interesting. Like I'm, I, I'm eyes glued to this shit. I think it's super insane. I've always kind of believed that UFOs were out there, and I mean, I don't know how long they've been here or where they're from, but it's just fascinating to me. I mean, just the vastness of space, and just to think that there's a technology out there of some other species from some other galaxy or star or whatever, some other planet, is actually visiting Earth, and you know checking us out. It's crazy. And I, I, I love just taking my mind there and just like thinking about all those possibilities. But yeah, I don't know if you guys have listened to that podcast uh, that had one of those pilots and those videos on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. Uh, he did a full podcast on it. If you haven't listened to it, I recommend it. It's pretty crazy. Um, also, there's another good documentary on Netflix about uh, it's called Bob Lazar, Area 51. Uh, check that one out. Great UFO documentary. Um, those are probably my top two if you're more interested in learning more about it. Right. We have technology, like Tyler says. Uh, exactly. Alex, is this enough uh, info to make you agree or disagree that there may be extraterrestrial life, UFOs, things like that outside of this world? Um, I do believe there is some life out there um, purely based off of just the math of it all. I mean, there's billions of galaxies and billions of stars like the math like it's literally impossible to it like doesn't make sense in my head so i do believe there's life out there i don't know if there's intelligent life um i did watch that video you sent and i thought part of it that was very interesting that was kind of the part that i hooked on was um uh what's his face marco rubio saying yeah we're not really sure what these are they could be some extra technology we've seen from china or russia um i thought that was very interesting because they seem they seem more worried that it's another you know world superpower that 
has some technology that we can't deal with, um, which from a country that a lot of other countries hate, that's not exactly something we want to see like as Americans. Um, so I, I do believe there's intelligent life. Um, I do kind of find the term like UFO sort of iffy because it is just unidentified flying objects. So like a lot of those I feel like turn out to be, you know, weather balloons or something or just some random thing that we don't know, you know, get some grainy ass video. Like the videos that the Pentagon released are not very good for, you know, the Pentagon, which literally gets billions and billions of dollars in technology every single year that we as regular people will never see. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if these videos are like full on Independence Day, Will Smith type fucking UFOs <laughs> coming in. But, uh, I do believe there is some sort of life out there in the world for sure, or universe. Yeah. And that I kind of thought the same thing. What is there like nine planets, eight planets, not a big numbers guy, but you know, <laughs> there's gotta be something or some, some, some fucking thing on that planet that's living that is extraterrestrial. And it's, you know, it's not like it's just a straight deserted Island or something. I mean, trading, what, what the fuck is going through your head? I see your eyes bouncing around your skull right now. Um, I mean, I just think you're naive if you think that there's nothing out there. I mean, I think I agree with Alex. There's the math shows that the math kind of lends itself to prove, even though there's no proof that there's something else out there. Um, but you know, I, you know, it, it's, your guess is as good as mine. Um, what I do find more interesting though, is, to this day, if I, I know this is not, has nothing to, well, it kind of has something to do with space, but we know less about our own deepest oceans than we do with space. So maybe we should try and figure that out first, but. Are you saying aliens live underwater? No, I'm not saying uh, aliens live underwater. Good. You know, we just know less about our own oceans than we do fucking space. Yeah. Isn't that kind of like ridiculous? <laughs> yeah. And then last, James, uh, I want to know your take. And then if you do believe in them, like we all do, so you should too. Uh, why would they be interested in Earth? Why would they even come around here? Did, were they just lost? Like, if that video were these, you know, some extraterrestrial life, like, were they just lost and we caught them in a, caught them in a fluke or something? What do you think? Um, well, I agree with you guys. Uh, we're on a little rock floating through space. We're not the only ones out there. It's kind of ridiculous to think so. So I agree with you guys there. Um, but in terms of why they're here, there's a number. There's a multitude of different reasons why they could be here it could be just a conquest for them maybe they want to take over earth maybe they're here eric you're pretty weird you might be an alien i don't know why are you here <laughs> kind of question um or maybe they got deported off their planet who knows like it's just oh who knows hey we go to we go to on vacation around all over the, the, this planet why can't <laughs> vacations to other planets be a thing i mean <laughs> makes sense to me just a family vacation guys calm down let them do their thing huh? i feel like there's a lot of aliens at breweries by the time people are leaving they kind of got <laughs> alien mode alex oh, dude, or, like, or for golf wearing orange shirts dude definitely aliens <laughs> orange oiler shirts yeah aliens yeah. or weirdos uh <laughs> that's what I got this week that just kind of went through my head that I had to express to the world through this podcast. Uh, thank you guys. Love it. All right. Uh, Eric, great job as always. Uh, when we come back, James will be getting into football. All right. We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back, everybody. James is talking football. This week, it is the NFC East. James, take it away. All right, guys, continuing on with our divisional series here. Um, today, we're going to start with the Washington football team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins. They can't <laughs> be called that anymore. In 2019, they were 3-13. and They had the second largest negative point differential in the league at negative 169. This offseason, they had a complete revamp. They got a new name, a new coaching staff, and they purged a bunch of their staffers because of sexual abuse. So overall, this is a trash franchise. Um, the new head coach is Ron Rivera. He's a uh, coach for nine years. He used to coach uh, the Panthers. Last year, they were ranked 32 in total offense, which means they were last. And they're also ranked 27th in total defense. Their weakness going into the offseason was trying to find a wide receiver to complement Terry McLaurin. Um, they lost Chris Thompson. They lost Jordan Reed, Josh Norman, Case Keenum, Eric Flowers, and they traded away their two best players in Trent Williams and Quentin Dunbar. Why would they do that? <laughs> Trash franchise. In the draft, they picked up Chase Young, which is literally the best prospect that people have seen in years. And they also picked up Antonio Gibson in the third round. He's interesting because he only played wide receiver in college, but he's being listed as a running back right now. Uh, they signed Kendall Fuller from the Chiefs. They also signed Ronald Darby from the Eagles, Thomas Davis from the Chargers, and Sean Davis from the Steelers. My prediction is that they go 6-10 and 10 this year. They have a couple of solid pieces that they can use as building blocks, but they're definitely not even there yet. They will have another rebuilding year. Terry McLaurin is going to be a super solid wide receiver, but Dwayne Haskins has to prove that he can play in the NFL. He was kind of rushed in there last year when he wasn't ready, and it really showed. I expect him to have a better year this year, but not good enough to win, six, to win more than six games. Their defense is about average, but it could be better than average if Chase Young ends up being the pass-rushing monster that everybody thinks he is. Alex, how do you think they'll do this year? I had them at 4-12. and 12. I, can't, I just can't give them six wins. Um, I just don't, I don't trust Haskins enough yet. He'll get there. Um, obviously, I think it's interesting that Ron Rivera didn't pick a quarterback in this draft. So he obviously has some sort of trust in him. Um, so we'll, we'll see what goes with that. I don't think they have enough on offense. Um, I literally gave them one more win because I think Chase Young is an absolute fucking monster. Yeah, I'm just going to say uh, 4 and 12 is like being generous. Um, and only because I think, I think what we saw, what Nick Bosa brought to the Niners, maybe Chase Young can bring that. I'm not going to say he's Nick Bosa, but I'm going to say he brings that type of, um, pass rush to the game or to the team. And, and it, you could see what that did to the, to the Niners, um, you know, overall, overall defense and team, but here's the thing. I mean, everything's new. They're just going to be starting kind of fresh. Um, Dwayne Haskins, I, I mean, Again, I think he's getting he's getting there, but he's not he's nothing to to write home about. AP is like ancient. Um, Terry McLaurin, I mean, rookie, uh, he's questionable. And then tight end Jeremy Sprinkle, like, he's fuck? an elite talent, dude. Oh my dude, yeah. yeah but take, okay, okay, timeout, timeout. <laughs> time, Dwayne Haskins is your quarterback. Yeah, I, you would trust that. Yes. <laughs> he got seven so touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's one and one, bud. Yeah, new coach, bud. Okay. <laughs> okay. New you you, you, you take him. Take him. I said six take and him. ten. Take him. Take him. 
Uh, tight end Jeremy Sprinkle. I mean, all I have here is just dot 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 no. So yeah, <laughs> that's all I had. <laughs> Moving on to fantasy, guys. We're not going to talk about Jerry Sprinkle, but Dwayne Haskins, as Traden was talking about, he is going at one seventy plus. He's not even ranked. He's a QB eighty four. He's projected for two hundred nine points, which is actually decent, guys. But nobody trusts him. He's going after third string practice squad and free agent quarterbacks. Um, I wouldn't pick him, but if it was a, Q, a two QB league, I might throw a shot at him just in case. Um, the running back room is really weird just because they have like seven running backs on that team. Antonio Gibson is going at 40, running back 48, and AP is going at running back 50. They're literally two picks apart there. Uh, Antonio Gibson is being projected for 127, while AP is going at 122. Um, Eric, who would you rather have? Antonio Gibson, the wide receiver turned running back, or AP, the legend? I'm going to pull the Alex move. Uh, I don't want anyone from the Redskins. You got to pick one. Uh, pick one. Uh, not Adrian Peterson because I had him last year. <laughs> and I'm going to pull my card uh, that he didn't do dick for me. But, of course, I picked him up halfway through the season when I was like 0-5. Uh, but yeah, I'd go with Gibson, not Peterson, but I'd take neither of them. Lastly, we're going to talk about Terry McLaurin, who is an elite talent trading. Uh, he's going at 66, wide receiver 24. He's Haskins' number one target. They went to college together. He saw 10 end zone targets last year, which is the 11th in the NFL. And for a guy who missed the first two games, that's pretty amazing. Um, right now, he's going after T.Y. Hilton and D.K. Metcalf. Tyler, would you rather have T.Y. Hilton or Terry McLaurin? Uh, I'm going to go to you by Hilton. Okay, good enough. Uh, moving on to the New York Giants. They were just as bad last year. They were 4-12. and 12. Uh, They finally saw the passing of the torch from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. Um, they also hired a new head coach as well. They hired Joe Judge to be the head coach and hired Jason Garrett to be the offensive coordinator. Um, I don't really have a lot of tr- trust in Joe Judge because the biggest thing he was in the NFL was a special teams coordinator. He wasn't even an offensive or defensive coordinator. Can he run a team? I don't know. Um, last year, they were ranked 19th in total offense and 30th in total defense. Their biggest weakness is an edge rusher and a quarterback. They only had 36 sacks last season, which is only eight better than eight, which is only better than eight other teams. And nobody had a pass, red, pass coverage grade greater than 60 for the cornerbacks. Um, they lost a lot of key guys in Alec Ogletree and Antoine Bethea. Uh, but they went and they drafted Andrew Thomas uh, with the fourth pick of the draft. He's the best tackle in that draft by far and away. They also drafted Xavier McKinney, a safety out of Alabama. Um, they picked up James Bradbury, a cornerback from the Panthers, Blake Martinez from the Packers, Cameron Fleming from the Cowboys, and Dion Lewis from the Titans. My prediction is that they're going to go 7-9 and nine this year, so a b- little bit of a step forward. Um, this is going to be a complete new coaching staff once again. They're led by Joe Judge, who has only been a special team coordinator. He'll have to rely heavily on Jason Garrett and his expertise if they want any semblance of success. The defense took a couple steps forward with their free agents' acquisitions in the draft. They will finish much better than 30th in total defense. Offensively, they have everything they need. They just need to put it all together. They know Jones is a good QB that will continue to get better. Saquon is a generational, generational running back. And they have a really good blue-collar wide, wide receiving group in Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Darius Lee. Uh, Eric, what do you think the record will be this year? I got him at seven and nine. Also, they got the new coach. Uh, he was under Bill Belichick. Ever heard of him? The guy's pretty good. For the last seven years, he's been around Belichick. So there's got to be some, you know, gems that he's taken away from that guy. 
Daniel Jones is better than we think. If he's healthy and Saquon is, they're both going to improve. That's going to help out Daniel Jones that much more. And I took a lot of heat for saying he was good in fantasy. His passing touchdown percentage index was right below a guy named Patrick Mahomes. Guy's pretty good. Won the Super Bowl last year over James's dreaded Niners. So I got him at 7-9. Tyler, what do you think? Um, yeah, I would say 6-6-10 six, six and 10 for me. Um, I do think they'll, you know, be a little bit more competitive, but not much. I think this team still got has a long way to go to be uh, com- com- competing in this division. Alex, I had them at six and ten, and now I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go eight and eight. Um, well, maybe change your mind. Uh, honestly, surprisingly, what Eric said, uh, which is <laughs> a miracle on itself. Um, I, you know, Saquon did get hurt last year. Um, I know you haven't brought up Evan Ingram yet. I'm sure you will when we get kind of the fantasy side. Um, he is a, a top 10 tight end if he can be healthy. So if Saquon is healthy, Evan Ingram's healthy, their, um, uh, their tackle pick in the fourth, you know, any in that um, fourth slot, anything to help Daniel Jones just not get hit. Their defense is suspect for sure. But, and I do think um, that wide receiver core is a little underrated. So I think their offense can succeed. And I think it's going to maybe win them a couple more games um, than we maybe had expected at the big save, you know, right after the season ended last year. And Trayden? Uh, I see eight and eight. Um, third time's a charm, boys. Um, I, I love that they're bringing in um, a young a young coach. Um, I, I think that a lot of teams are show, or a lot of teams in most sports are seeing that maybe young blood is the way to go. Um, yeah, does he have the predigree that – um Shanahan did or does or or whatever no but he's a he's a young mind um and I think that that's going to do them well Daniel Jones I think is actually pretty solid um 3,000 yards in 13 games for 24 touchdowns he needs to shore up um his fumbles and his interceptions but I think that's I think that comes with as he ages Saquon Barkley as you said is amazing um Sterling Shepard is not a killer but he's very reliable and in my opinion the defense with them bringing in a lot of young guns who are going to be very hungry. I, I think they're going to get they're get and a whole new, you know, you know, staff. I, I think that they're going to make it make a run. Um, no, I don't think they're going to be incredible, but eight and eight, I think, I think you're going to see some, some heads turn finally. Uh, talking about fantasy. We're going to start Daniel Jones. He's going at 150 QB 15. Eric, you had him at number nine in your rankings and you didn't have Dak Prescott in your rankings. Dak finished as quarterback number two last year. How are you going to justify having Daniel Jones over Dak Prescott? Because uh, he's going to do better than him this year. And also because that dude, that I didn't even get uh, rattled. The dude got rattled with Tyler in the first place because Tyler had Prescott like third or something. I didn't even have Prescott on my list. And the guy was like, who the fuck is this Tyler guy? I'm talking about you, Eric. Uh, oh, yeah. So I didn't mean, come on. <laughs> ask a true Cowboys fan what they think of Dak Prescott. They all hate the guy. He's okay. He's not that good. I think Daniel Jones has more potential to be better and he's got more weapons like Alex was going off of his offense. Ingram, Saquon, Golden Tate, these other guys, they're going to, they're going to make him look better fantasy wise. So there's my justification. I'll still pick Daniel Jones over him any day. Okay. Saquon Barkley, ADP two, running back two, only going behind, Christian McCaffrey, which is fine because that's expected. Um, right now, Ezekiel Elliott's literally right behind him in a pick. It's kind of hard to determine which one's better there. 
mainly because Jason Garrett is now the offensive coordinator for Saquon. And we saw how what he did with Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys and how Ezekiel Elliott turned out to be this fantastic running back. Uh, but also Saquon has health concerns and an inferior offensive line. So Tyler, would you rather have Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I'm going to take Elliott, even though he's a Cowboy. Um, just because you mentioned the injury concerns, I drafted Saquon Barkley last season. He kind of fucked me because he got hurt. Um, I mentioned the offensive line suspect for the Giants. Um, I just kind of trust the Cowboys O-line and Elliott over the other dude. Okay. Saquon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thought his name. We were just talking about him. Uh, we're going to talk about the wide receivers in one fell swoop here. Uh, Sterling Shepard is going at 120. Golden Tate's going at 135. And Darius Lane's going at 140. Um, they're pretty much in 20 picks of each other. Wide receiver-wise, they're only five picks away from each other. Um, Sterling Shepard gets about six-plus targets a game. Golden Tate plays in the slot, so he's really good for PPR. And Darius Slayton had eight touchdowns in 14 games last year, which is really, really good for a rookie. Um, so, Alex, in your opinion, which Giants wide receiver has the most fantasy value? Uh, I'm probably going to go Sterling Shepard. Um, I he he will go, and he'll have his ups and downs. But the weeks where he has the ups, it's going to go big. Um, so I'm going to go Sterling Shepard. Okay. Uh, Jaden, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, I, I love the budding, blossoming tandem of Jones and Slayton. Bring it on, baby. Okay, he's picking Terry Slayton. Uh, last, we're going to talk about Evan Ingram. He's going at 175, uh, tight end number seven. Injuries are a pretty big concern for him. He missed eight games last season, 14 overall in his young career. If he can stay healthy, he's a factor, but if he can't, it's not, it's not happening. Uh, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. In 2019, they were 8-8. They missed the playoffs. They had the five highest point differential at 113, but they still missed the playoff, which is weird. Um, they have a new head coach in Mark McCarthy, who used to coach the Packers. They were sixth in total offense, 11th in total defense. Uh, their big weakness is having a tight end in the defensive line. They lost Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, Robert Quinn, who signed for the Bears for $70 million. Michael Bennett retired, and Byron Jones signed with the Dolphins. They drafted C.D. Lamb, who, in my opinion, was the best wide receiver in this year's draft class. How he slipped to 17 is beyond me. And they also get Trayvon Diggs, which is Stephon Diggs' brother, who's a cornerback in the second round. They added Gerald McCoy from the Panthers, Dontori Poe from the Panthers, Ha-Ha Diggs from the Bears, and Greg the Leg from the Rams. My prediction is that the Cowboys go 11-5 and this year. Um, the Cowboys are in win-now mode. This is probably their last season with Dak as their QB because they can't afford, them, afford him. He may not be flashy, but Dak is one of the best QBs in the league, and he still boasts the top 10 offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott, once again, be one of the best running backs in the league, and the addition of C.D. Lamb makes the wide receiver core one of the scariest in the league. On defense, they've added some much-needed help to the D-line with McCoy and Don Torrey. The linebacker tandem of Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith is literally the best in the league. Uh, the biggest question is how will they fare without Byron Jones Robert Quinn? If everyone, defense, everyone on defense stands up, they're going to be in a good spot to make the playoffs. Shaden, what do you think the record's going to be? Um... I don't know, maybe to see 10-6. Um, I, I, I do like the offense, and I do like the defense. Um, I, just for some reason, as you mentioned, with the point differential, they just couldn't get over the hump. And in reality, regardless of what fantasy says, you could throw for as many yards and do as much, many points as you want, but you got to win the game. And clearly there's something wrong there. Eric, what do you think the record's going to be? I got them at nine and seven. I got them kind of having like a Rams season from this past year that they're going to be a little overhyped. Uh, I don't think Dak is that good. 
And like I said earlier, ask the Cowboys fans, dude. They all hate that guy. They get so mad at him. He doesn't get the job done for him. I don't think he's good enough. But, however, he does have his weapons, Ezekiel, Amari Cooper, Gallup. And now he does have C.D. Lamb. Uh, they're all going to make Dak look a little better uh, if he could complete passes to them or run, run it out and get his first downs. They did add Greg the leg. I love that guy. That's like the one positive thing I could say about them. Um, they got Mike McCarthy. He's won a big one before. We will see, but I have him going nine and seven. Alex, Tyler, what do you think? Uh, I have him going 11 and five. Um, I think that wide receiver core will pro- could possibly end up being the top wide receiver core in the game. Um, I don't, again, I don't know how CD Lamb fell that far. Like, I agree with you, James. Um, he's probably the best receiver in that draft. Um, I had Dak number four, I think, on my list. Um, so I trust him. He is Matt Flash is not Lamar Jackson. He's not, uh, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he'll get the job done. And I don't think the, that division is weird. It's not very strong. Um, and the Cowboys were literally a game away last year from winning that division. So I got the Cowboys at 11 and five. Um, yeah, the Cowboys are one of the worst franchises in all of sports next to the New York Knicks. Uh, they have all this money. They're all, you know, all this time to freaking figure out how to put a winning team together. And they haven't even really come close to winning a championship at all. Um, so I'm obviously not a big Cowboys fan. With that being said, they finished nine and seven. Okay. Dak Prescott is going as QB number six. I think he should be going three or four. Ezekiel Elliott's going at running back three. And you, can re- you can't go wrong with having him or Saquon. Either or, you'll be good. Amari Cooper is going wide receiver number 10. He's a very boom-robust type of player. Um, he either gives you 20-plus points or two points. It's, it's going to be hard to project him out for the season. Um, he's right now going two picks after Adam Thielen. Um, I know, Alex, you're a big Adam Thielen fan. Would you rather have Amari Cooper or Adam Thielen? Well, I had Cooper last year, and he was very boomer bust for me, and he's probably the reason I didn't win because he really struggled down the stretch there. Um, God, that's a really tough one. I might go – Thielen gets hurt. Fuck. Uh, Cooper, I don't know. I can't decide. I'll pick whichever one falls to me I'll be happy with. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty good – they're both really good players. Yeah. They'll yeah, be happy with either one. Uh, last team we're going to tackle today is the Philadelphia Eagles. Hold on, hold on real quick. I, I just want to shit on Eric real quick. Dak okay. Prescott <laughs> threw for 4,900 yards and had a strongest year, youngest year at 30 touchdowns with 11 interceptions uh, and averaged 8.2 yards per attempt. And so when he has good receivers, he can get the ball downfield. How the fuck do you not like this guy? Oh, yeah. Did he make the playoffs with all those stats? No, but we're talking – if we're talking uh, fantasy, come on now. Fast. <laughs> okay. Fantasy. Yeah. I guess you got a point fantasy there. You do have a point. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm just going in my head, in my heart. I kind of have that Tyler sense of, you know, fuck the Cowboys. And... I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the overarching like team thing, like team side going into the playoffs. Yes. But we can't discount his, his ability to give you. Points I mean, points. <laughs> if, if I have, maybe if I have a chance to give him fantasy, I might, who knows after all this shit I talked on him, but <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 know, I That's how it's gonna fall. Wise, but yeah, not not team wise. Okay, for the second time, we're gonna move on to the Eagles. In 2019, they were nine and seven, lost to the Seahawks in the wild card round. Um, 
it's amazing they got to that record with their lack of wide receiver productions and injury. It's crazy. Uh, Doug Peterson just finished his fourth season. He's a really good coach. Huge fan of that guy. Uh, they're ranked number 12 in total offense, 15th in total defense. Their biggest weakness is a wide receiver because they need to stay healthy. Crazy fact is that Miles Sanders led the team receiving yards past 20 yards last year, and he's a running back. Um, they also need a cornerback because all the cornerbacks had grades below 60. Ronald Darby, their star cornerback, allowed a 117 passing rating when targeted. That's bad. Uh, moving on, they, <laughs> they lost Hapovati Vitae. He signed with the Lions, which we talked about last week. They lost Ronald Darby, thank God. Uh, Jordan Howard signed with the Dolphins. Malcolm Jenkins signed with the Saints. And Nigel Brennan signed with, with the Saints as well. They drafted a Targaryen in the first round in Jalen Ragor out of TCU. Guy's super, super fast. And in the pick that surprised just about everybody, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Uh, he's projected to play a kind of a Taysom Hill role because you still have Carson Wentz there. Um, they added Darius Slay from the Lions. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league, so that kind of solved the cornerback problem there. They also added Javon Hargrave from the Steelers and Nicole Robbie Coleman, a slot cornerback from the Rams. I predict that the Eagles are going to go 10-6 and six this year. The Eagles really showed their defense this offseason and tackled their biggest weakness in the cornerback. Darius Slay will play a big role in how successful this defense is, will be. The offense has some of the biggest question marks, though. How will the offensive line from last year fare losing their starting right left guard and left tackle? Will that wide receiver group stay healthy? Alshon Jeffrey's already going to start the season, season on the pup list. Something that will always bring the Eagles some comfort is that there's still always going to be that one to Ertz connection. If the wide receivers get injured, Ertz is going to get all the receiving yards once again. Tyler, big Eagles fan over there. What do you think they're going to be? Yes, James, I love your breakdown of those Eagles. I think a lot of people aren't expected them to, to, to do that well this year, um, but I disagree. I think all the reasons you mentioned, I think they got weapons on offense. We'll see how their new Targaryen wide receiver does this year. I'm really interested to see how, how, how he fares. I think they showed up some problems on, on, on the defense. And as Alex mentioned earlier, it's not a very strong division. So I think that they can easily go four and two within their division. They do have some pretty tough games um they're on the road against uh green bay pittsburgh and san francisco and they also got games at home against the ravens saints and seahawks so for me like that's my one concern is their schedule i think is pretty tough but um they're gonna have to play pretty good football but i think with the leadership of doug peterson i think that they'll pull off a 10 and 6 record like you mentioned alex seven and nine wow i have zero faith that carson wentz can stay healthy um, he really hasn't stayed healthy for a full year yet. And their backup quarterbacks, uh, that depth chart there is not looking great. Don't have Nick Foles to fall back on and, you know, have him lead you to a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts. Um, dude, you can't trust Jalen Hurts when Carson Wentz <laughs> gets a knee Hurts, injury. In Hurts the Hurts. It could be. I mean, Jalen Hurts did have 80 touchdowns in his collegiate career. He's, uh, he's pretty good. Could, if the Eagles had not just given Carson Wentz a contract extension and he had gotten hurt this year, I could have, I, or within the next couple of years, I could see them moving on and having Jalen Hurts be their, like, their quarterback. They still might trade him. That's a thing. Um, Traden, what do you think? Um, I, I see a 10 and 6. Um, I mean, I, I have to give credit to Carson Wentz here. Uh, career high 4,000 yards. 
without a single wideout that amassed 500 yards. That's kind of insane. He can kind of put the ball wherever he wants to a guy that's open. Zach Ertz obviously took up a quarter of that. So yeah, whatever. But still, I mean, most of the, most of the wide receivers that, you know, you see with good quarterbacks are getting at least 500 yards. And that's a big feat if you, if, if you ask me. So I, I, I think that they're going to be fine. And Eric, what do you think? Tyler, I got them at four and twelve. What the uh, fuck? Oh my Jesus! They're gonna be dog wow. shit. Wow! I think that the Chapman University Division Three Panthers have a chance to possibly beat them this year because Carson Wentz Dude, cannot stay alive. Get out of get, get out of here, man! You're you're think, just think. Hey, let me tell you this. Watch, Carson Wentz is gonna play. He's gonna get hurt. Jalen Hurts might come in. He might get hurt. And guess what? Then you what, got Josh McCallan again to shit the bed for you. No offense yeah, to that guy. Uh, I like Deshaun what? Jackson, Long Beach representative right there. Well, I love that guy. He's a crafty veteran. He, he can't really stay healthy either. Uh, they don't have enough weapons. And Wentz is going to be getting chucked in the dirt like he always does. And he's going to get hurt. And, I mean, I'm kind of going on the Alex side too. Is Jalen Hurts going to be able to get it done once Wentz gets hurt? We'll see. Four and 12. Battle for the worst team versus the Reds, meaning the Washington football team in that division. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hot take again by Eric. Uh, moving on to fantasy here. Uh, Carson Wentz going at 109, QB 12. He's just outside the top 10. I think he breaks that top 10 with healthy wide receivers. Uh, Miles Sanders is running back nine, which is huge because the only person that had him in his top 10 was Trayden. Um, initially, he was last year, he was, it was a uh, running back by committee, but the second half of the season he took over, and that was basically his job to lose. He has great pass catching ability. He had 50 receptions last season, and I think that's just going to go higher. Um, so, Jaden, why do you have him in your top 10? I think you just said it. It's an interesting combo. We have 818 yards and three touchdowns in his rookie season, 4.6 yards per carry. That's pretty solid. Um, and and 509 receiving yards for three touchdowns. That's a good combination. So he can do he can do both. Um, I. Uh, and you got Wentz who can put the ball to, you know, make those short passes. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on him. And Tyler, why did you not have him in your top 10? Sorry, well, I'm still can't get over Eric's fucking Eagles thing. <laughs> oh my God. I don't. You're also I don't, rooted, that's man. your don't running back, bro. I, I yeah. have faith, more um, faith in you. Why they're going to be 4 and 12, man. Sorry. Uh, last sorry. piece, we're going to talk about <laughs> Zach Ertz here. Zach Ertz is going to tight end number three. He finished the tight end number four last season with injuries, which is kind of impressive. Um, that's a good spot for him. He's going behind um, Kelsey and Kittle. So last question of the day, of the night here, gentlemen. We'll start with Tyler. Uh, would you rather have Kittle or Ertz? Ertz. <laughs> Alex. Kittle. Traden? Uh, Kittle. And Eric. Kittle. Kittle it is. And that confused my son, my son <laughs> very much. <laughs> oh, man. Eric just kind of fucked it all up. For you, yeah. uh, don't watch the YouTube segments. After Eric said 4 and 12, Tyler <laughs> got up and ran around his garage. Uh, and that's probably why he gave that shit answer for yeah. uh, Miles Sanders over there. Um, other than that, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we will be posting tomorrow. It will be up and live. Uh, again, check out our socials. Uh, we're doing another giveaway. I know it's a little late to be mentioning it live on the podcast, um, but keep checking those socials. We'll continue giving giveaways. Uh, we got hats now. Trading's rocking it. 
Uh, so check that out on our website. Other than that, have a good night, guys.